Hi there, and welcome to a BC Rural Centre podcast. I'm your host, Randy Morse. You know, most people in big cities, when they think of rural places at all, think of trees, they think of lakes, mountains, rivers. Perhaps when it comes to economic activity, they might think of logging, of mining, of, in general, natural resource extractive sorts of activities. But you know, it's the 21st century, and certainly here in British Columbia, we see rural economies changing in many cases in our communities drastically. As mills close, as, as operations consolidate into larger and larger operations, employing fewer and fewer people. This has caused great consternation in many parts of rural British Columbia as communities struggle to attempt to reinvent themselves in the face of these wrenching structural changes. So with that in mind, I went on a tour recently and visited three towns in the central or southern interior British Columbia on a quest to find out whether or not technology might play a useful role in helping make a, an effective and positive transformation in our rural communities. My first stop was Salmon Arm, where I sat down and had a fascinating conversation with Lana Fitt, who is the director of something called the Salmon Arm Innovation Center. So um, I guess the, the whole start of the Innovation Center project began when we were um, recognizing the tech cluster that exists here in Salmon Arm. So Salmon Arm has 82 tech companies operating within the city boundaries as of December 31st, uh, 2017, StatsCan tells us. And um, very diverse tech cluster, but it is primarily focused on high-tech manufacturing, which is one of the things that makes our community unique. So... Um, not so much on the service side, although we certainly have some high-tech companies on the service side as well, but, but strongly clustering in the high-tech manufacturing sector. Uh, so we began having conversations with some of our tech companies in Salmon Arm, talking about how can we grow the local tech economy? What, what do they need? What can we be focusing our active efforts on that would be most provide the most return on investment or the highest value back to our companies? So in those conversations, the, the items that emerged most strongly was certainly uh, workforce development, number one, really consistent with probably every other rural community in British Columbia. Tech sector uh, workforce is a big challenge, attraction and retention. And um, the other piece is when we're looking at uh, attracting new companies to Salmon Arm, again, recognizing some of the things we're seeing in, in urban clustering for technology, technology workforce and technology investment. Really, the, rec- the direction of the suggestion from our local companies was focus on building from within. So um, that applied to both our workforce development and our startup climate. So we started off with one initiative that was a bit of a pilot towards this larger innovation center project that we're now, we've now landed on. Uh, we partnered with the school district and began hosting what we call them tech meetups. And so once a year at Sullivan High School, we, had, uh, we have a tech meetup event that has about 25 different salmon arm tech companies attending. And they take a really interactive approach to engaging youth and at the same time highlighting their product or service that they're producing in Salmon Arm um, and the career opportunities that attach to those. So, um, yeah, we have some some really 
intriguing and exciting companies doing things in robotics and virtual reality, um, some working with drones, some working again more on the manufacturing side. And so these companies are committed once a year to going into the Sullivan High School here and showcasing their products or service to our local youth. And we've kind of laddered that into the education component as well. We invite Okanagan College, True, and other education institutions to come out and talk to our students about the education paths required to get them to those career opportunities. So, so in that single day, once a year at the tech meetup, we have about 900 students go through the booths and again, a really awesome focus from our companies on the interactive nature of their booths. So they're always doing something that the students can touch or feel or do at their booths to engage them and, and show what they're doing. So. That was really a successful event. We've done that for three years in a row now. Uh, great feedback from our tech companies that were participating, great feedback from the school district, great feedback from the students. It was a way to start elevating the exposure of the tech cluster that we have here in Seminar and that's completely under-recognized right now. Um, it's been here for years, but we haven't been telling that story. We haven't been telling it to our residents and we haven't been telling it outside of our communities. So that was the start of this whole process. When we started to see some of the success and some of the positive feedback we were getting from the tech meetup event, um, we continued having our tech table discussions with our, our high tech businesses in Salmon Arm and have landed on the Innovation Center project, really an industry-led, industry-driven uh, response to addressing both workforce challenges and the startup climate around the tech sector in Salmon Arm. So the goals of the Innovation Center are to um, inspire and ignite interest in technology from our emerging workforce, our grade 11, grade 10, 11, 12 students, and even earlier than that. So we're doing that through partnerships with the school district. Um, and then further to support the startup and the entrepreneurial climate that we have in Seminar, and we have a really great start to that and a few programs we've got going already, but nothing that is providing ongoing as demand initiates response to people who want to start a tech business in our community. So the Innovation Center project emerged as a potential. Uh, we did a feasibility study and started testing the concept with our community. Again, really focusing on providing a salmon arm solution, something unique to our community that would meet our local needs. And um, the feasibility study was very favorable, excellent response, excellent survey results, excellent industry partnership potential identified. And so our board of directors decided to move forward with the development of the Innovation Center. That included sourcing funding from the provincial government, um, but really the, the majority of our funding and um, donations and volunteerism is certainly coming from Salmon Arm residents, right? It's really a, a locally driven, locally, um, locally developed solution for, for tech sector growth here. So the Innovation Center project itself will include three main components. Uh, we have a maker space on the ground floor, we have co-working space on the second and third floor, and then we will be also providing accelerator support services. Um, so where we're at right now, uh, the building itself has been secured. Um, that building was identified through a request for expressions of interest that was issued publicly. Uh, with this building being one of the respondents to that process. The building was previously a school district building. It's just shy of 10,000 square feet over three floors. And the interesting thing about the building itself is that it was almost, almost meant 
to be for the purpose that we have in mind here. So, for example, the school district had offices all around the perimeter of the second and third floors with open space in the middle of each. So really well designed for a co-working atmosphere where you're trying to pre- you're trying to encourage collaboration and information sharing and communication in those central spaces, but yet there is the ability to have individual office spaces around the perimeter. The other great thing is it has a really um, a really nice big boardroom on the third floor, uh, ideal for shared space and workshops, and it has a meeting room built in as well, which is actually an old vault that we've converted to um, to a meeting room for use by the co-working tenants um, and the community as well. Uh, the ground floor was very underdeveloped, so it was ideal for the makerspace needs that we were hoping to achieve. So overall, the building itself needed very little um, physical changes in terms of stru- structural changes, uh, but it was a bit dated for sure, and we wanted to have a really creative space that was a draw for residents um, and businesses as well that people wanted to be in and felt represented innovation. So um, the building is brightly rainbow-colored on the exterior. We have huge monarch butterflies on the exterior of the building as well, um, which we're bringing into the inside uh, in terms of some theming and programming ideas that we have as well. Um, what else can I tell you? The, uh, I guess the, the biggest message or the biggest part of our story is really that there are different examples of community tech development or technology act dev development in different areas. And we've looked long and hard at a lot of different community examples, but at the end of the day, we, we landed on this as a solution because we really needed something that was responsive to what we were hearing from our local industry needs and we didn't see examples of that in any other communities that could be easily replicated in Salmon Arm. So we decided to go down this path of producing this Salmon Arm solution. Um, That was really what we needed in our community. So again, just going back to the the feedback from our local businesses was really structured around um, workforce development. Um, Knowing that we're going to be challenged, our businesses are already facing this on a daily basis, challenged in both attracting and retaining tech workforce from larger urban centers, we're really focused on exposing our emerging workforce to consider tech as a career opportunity, supporting them through their post-secondary education needs, um, and also exposing them through our school district in courses like robotics and coding. Our school district has done an exceptional job of, of partnering with us along the way for things like that. So. A number of programs like that will be held at the Innovation Centre um, to connect our youth with tech as a career opportunity. Also, there will be industry weekends here, so looking at opportunities to have industry take over the centre on weekends and have it be their own, take over our social media accounts, take over the space, have an opportunity to build upon what we were doing with the tech meetup event, but having it be a single company that is highlighting their job opportunities, their product or service for a weekend. What we're really aiming to do is have this be a hub for innovation in Salmon Arm um, and a focal point to really elevate the technology cluster that we have here in Salmon Arm. Following my conversation with Lana Fitt at the Salmon Arm Innovation Center, I headed east on Highway 1 for the mountain town of Revelstoke, 
where I had an opportunity to meet with the founder of something called the Mountain Collab, Jean-Marc Laflamme. Here's my conversation with Jean-Marc as we stood outside the Mountain Collab on a rainy April afternoon. Okay, so it's a rainy afternoon. I'm standing out on the street, on 2nd Street to be specific, in beautiful downtown Revelstoke with Jean-Marc Laflamme. Hey, Jean-Marc. Hey there, Randy. How are you doing? I'm just fantastic. Uh, it's very cool to be standing outside of the Mountain Collab. What is it? Yeah, Mountain Collab is a co-working space here in Revelstoke that we started about three and a half years ago. And uh, it's a cooperative, not-for-profit. Uh, we've got uh, about 50, 60 members that are full-time coming in and out of this co-working space. It's basically a bunch of private offices and open desks where people can come and work on their individual businesses. And, and then they collide and create new business and talk about where we think the, the community could go. And... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been exciting. We've got over, actually over 100 co-op members, so the people have kind of come and gone and uh, are still members here as well. So what does it take to become a member, and how much does it cost? Yeah, it's uh, actually the world's cheapest co-working, and we did that on purpose um, because we felt it was more important to spend money on your business and less on rent. Uh, so it's 65 bucks a month to rent the open desks, and then 130 for private or semi-private offices. And it's only a $5 membership, so you're a lifetime member uh, with five bucks in, in your co-op dues. Wow, very cool. So let's step away from the co-op for a moment and talk more generally about the importance of tech in rural towns like Revelstoke. I know that there's, there's a lot more going on on the general tech frontier. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, we were you know, lucky enough to have the birth of a, a world-class resort 10 years ago, and that brought a lot of young people here, um, and some working in tech field like myself, and others not, uh, but now are seeing um, new opportunities with entrepreneurship. Um, everything is tech these days, right? Every business requires some sort of technology, or at least you should be looking at this. Um, so it was important for us as a community to have a tech strategy, and we built a tech strategy, you know, over three years ago, I'd say. Um, and so, excuse uh, me, when yeah. you say we, who's we? we? Yeah, so a group of of uh, concerned citizens, let's call it, but also you know individuals uh, that have been here for a long time that appreciate technology, um, and and new individuals that get you know bleeding edge tech. They got we got together and and with a high tech task force uh, created a tech strategy uh, that's uh, our guiding bible. Um, and we also got some funding to hire a tech coordinator, and that tech coordinator carries out a variety of events like tech nights and and make sure that uh, any of our new companies are, are connected with technology they need, um, any new tech companies and tech professionals are connected, and uh, yeah, this is really all about the connection and collaboration. Okay, so I didn't hear you mention the city of Revelstoke in that. Were they involved at all or no? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, they were seminal. I mean, the city of Revelstoke, uh, which is right across the street here, the city hall. Kind of uh, unmistakable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they sort of all look the same, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we actually got the collab started right across the street on purpose, really. Um, and 
is so that we can kind of have a deeper relationship with with City Hall. Um, it's important not to alienate anybody there, even though I think a lot of our municipalities are having growing pains like a lot of our cities are. And uh, so a key component to um, our tech strategy has been our economic development officers. Um, they've always understood, yeah, okay, great. This is where uh, a lot of new, uh, the new economy is dr being driven from. And so we need to get a good, good grasp by actually, you know, building a tech strategy and, you know, supporting Mountain Collab and, and coming up with different solutions in conjunction with some of these professionals. Okay, so uh, since I've been here, I've heard, uh, I've heard people talk about something called Startup Canada, yeah. and I understand that Revelstoke is going after something having to do with that, correct? Yeah, yeah, so it's been um, uh, about a year and a half we've had uh, Startup Revelstoke in motion. It was purely volunteer like a lot of other startup communities in, in Canada. Um, and Startup Canada is, is the national organization. It's 150,000 entrepreneurs. Uh, there are 50 other startup communities like Startup Smithers and Startup Nanaimo and Startup Kamloops and Startup uh, Nelson. Now I helped uh, get in, uh, get a few um, Kootenai communities that are interested in these startup communities, which are essentially just a bunch of entrepreneurs getting together around a better way of encouraging entrepreneurship in their community and, and showcasing a variety of offline and online programs. Um, it is a powerful national orga organization for online marketing. So when I have a startup here in Revelstoke that needs some serious national exposure, this organization can really pump it up and expose to not only the 150,000 entrepreneurs, but you know millions of other people that are engaging with these entrepreneurs across the country to know more about um, the local startups that are growing here or... Um, it, that, that organization is, is not a government organization. Um, it's actually funded by some really large uh, corporations like MasterCard and UPS and Intuit. So these corporations understand the value of local entrepreneurship. They put money into this organization, which makes its way back to our, down to our startup community. Finances our programs and uh, helps some of our startups uh, get off the ground. So... I also heard that Startup Revelstoke is is putting together a proposal that's going to Startup Canada, right? What's that about, and what um, would the outcome be if you were successful? Uh, yeah, there's so right now, I guess um, Startup Canada and the various communities uh, this year we're working on uh, business in a box uh, and looking at a way in which we can clearly uh, exemplify what it takes. Uh, for an entrepreneur A to Z, working them through an interactive platform to get there. Um, yeah, so we're all working as, uh, as communities kind of make sure that all of these resources are available. Uh, right now on startuprevelstoke.ca, you can uh, actually go uh, and see a map of what our ecosystem looks like in Revelstoke. Um, that is not just local resources, but provincial, regional and national, international resources as well that uh, you need for the idea or the growth stage of your startup. Uh, these resources were never properly showcased to the entrepreneur. So we have that map, it's starting off like this, but I think the evolution of this is uh, much more of an interactive platform to guide you and less so much of another human, but a self-service platform to get you through um, everything you need to know. Yeah, I, I think that would be very powerful. And it, it strikes me, and you and I have talked about this a bit, yeah. 
earlier, right, that it would be particularly helpful in even smaller rural communities yeah. than towns Revelstoke size, which is, which is about 7,500 people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's be great for every community, and um, yeah, we we all need to be schooled on a regular basis. Uh, business is so dynamic, and I think that's one of the great things about being involved in business and as an entrepreneur. Um, things that are changing constantly, and you 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 know you started a business five years ago, and no longer the the product and service needed today. So you've got to shift gears. So planning for that doesn't live in a bubble um, from yesteryear. You, you need to be dynamic and so plugged into a variety of data from uh, different sectors that are growing, um, opportunities to, to take on right now to get you retooled, reschooled, uh, to take on a whole new business is something that you know we need to foster and, and, and plug into different communities across the country. Okay, finally, Jean-Marc, if you were to look out five years and had to predict some substantive positive changes that might have occurred over those intervening five years here in Revelstoke, what would a couple of them be? Yeah. Um, You know, I hope that we'll have solved a lot of our local issues, and much like any other community, uh, we have an affordable housing issue, we have... Uh, food security issue, and then um, uh, we're also focused on transportation, the evolution of transportation. It's difficult to, still difficult to get in and out of our community. Um, and, uh, and so I think in five years, we'll have solved a lot of these issues by collaborating with, the, with uh, not only the community, but um, BC and, uh, and the country at large. So I think that would be great. And also uh, anything new that comes on um, that will have, will have that platform necessary to get people to not only just meet in the streets, but online to connect and, and solve some of these challenges, maybe solve some global challenges like climate change, right? That's a, a, a big and overriding one that people just still don't know what to do. You know, we're doing little things um, and our little local issues, um, uh, w- which are pretty big, um, uh, you know, could lead up to the, the, the big ones like climate change. Sure, it all adds up, right? That's right. You got it. Okay, Jean-Marc. Well, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, good luck. And we'll be following what you and your colleagues are making happen in Revelstoke with great interest over the, the weeks and months ahead. Awesome. Thanks so much, Randy. Leaving Revelstoke, I headed south through the city of Trail for a meeting with Brian Fry, co-founder and director of I4C Innovation. Brian and his colleagues operate out of an impressive facility immediately across from the Trail Airport. The following conversation was held as Brian took me on a tour of this eye-opening facility in the heart of the Columbia Basin. Right, so we've entered a uh, sort of room, and there's all sorts of sort of James Bondish stuff uh, appearing behind the glass. Brian, what are these huge banks of blinking lights and 
and cords all about? What are we looking at through the glass? These are servers, lots and lots of servers. Actually, in the total building right now, there's about 700 of them. And uh, being an industrial IoT and Industry 4.0, blockchain is a fundamental part of our strategy. So we're going through the whole process of how do we build this out at scale? We're doing it inside the building, but this is moving towards a complete distributed model where we'll be locating these inside a special, uh, what we call at the moment, uh, uh, pods that uh, allow us to, to do all kinds of things. The, the challenge with this stage, sorry, I'll back up a little bit. In my previous life, we were, I was part of Rackforce. I was one of the founders of Rackforce. And the expertise that we built was that we built the data centers to house the servers and we had them multiple locations across the country and network and everything else. Well, this new world around blockchain is actually even more complicated because the first application that runs on the blockchain, our first major application is cryptocurrencies. And cryptocurrency servers use enormous amounts of power. So how do you, first of all, how do you set up the systems to do that? How do you meet all these CSA standards and everything else, which most people don't understand how to do, but being in the, in the, in the data center business, we do understand that. So, so a huge head start. Huge, huge head start, and uh, yeah, so, so we're housing many, many servers, and what you're seeing here is prototypes, inside the building prototypes, of what's going to go external very quickly and uh, build out these new data centers. So very special louvering systems, uh, very special cooling systems, um, and uh, the way the air flows, and, and you know, it's easy to look at it. You may not, to, to the untrained eye, they would probably miss all the incredible things that are happening here. But yeah, that's what we're doing here, is, is going through the whole prototyping and being ready for a major blockchain, dis distributed blockchain model that we're going to put out in the marketplace. Very impressive. So Brian, talking about all these servo servers, cryptocurrency, et cetera, that's a huge thing in other parts of the world. Yes. What's, what's to keep a major player from, let's say, China coming in here, taking advantage of our power, taking over an operation like this, and creating no real value add for locals. What's your reaction to that possibility? My reaction to that is that uh, cryptocurrency is a serious opportunity for us, but it needs to be run by us. Okay, we live here. We can decide how this plays out. We can decide how our power is used. It's got to create jobs. Okay, cryptocurrency is a very valuable part of the blockchain applications and all the other blockchain applications. But we want to we want to manage this process. We want to build out the data centers. We want to manage the people that are managing the servers. We want to build all the applications and things. Whatever we can do to build on top of this. We need to control that. And so this is an important rural strategy. This is where we can take control and really think back, if you think back in history when you know the mines and everything else, a lot of people came from elsewhere to take that wealth and take it away. We need to think about it again. History is repeating itself. We need to take advantage of this opportunity with the right thought process and be in front of this and win this time. So, so far, what sort of job creation is being spun off of your operations today? So I foresee um, a little over, around a year right now, 15 employees. 
Really? And that does not include some of us who don't take paychecks. <laughs> Congratulations. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought you were a smart guy, Brian. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I'm sorry. You're a patient guy. Patient guy. The, 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 the opportunity in rural BC is enormous. It's the, the skills of understanding uh, the technology industry and previous capabilities that or, or that are already exist industrial capabilities already exist combining with technology you put the two together you come up with an opportunity that's beyond anybody's imagination and then also the whole idea of wealth creation in the region in the rural parts of, of Canada and I want to say that what's really important to also understand is that uh, Vancouver's issues with housing and and high cost of housing and everything else that's going on we become a real asset to these big city centers because we can actually uh, house the people, we can do things here, we can take advantage of technology, we can grow technology companies, we can do all the right things, and it's, there's much more of a partnership opportunity than there ever has been because I've been touting this opportunity for many, many years, but in the past I said, well, we can just do it in Vancouver or in another big, bigger city center, but there wasn't the same drive to, to make things happen or the same same driving forces is, is, is now happening. So, yeah, that's what we're doing here. We, we are proof positive that this can work. So, Brian, just to finish off our tour, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts, if you don't mind sharing them, on the future of small towns in British Columbia and the role you think, if you could look ahead maybe 10, 15 years, technology might play in the transformation of, of our small places? Or do you think that's not really an issue? <laughs> so first of all, I, I think, uh, I, I think the, um, the reality is that the big cities are, are being crushed under their own problems. They've got so many people. Everybody, for, forever we've been talking about everybody's going to the city. That's, that's what the cities, people that live in the city think is that's what's going to happen. Whereas I think we're assets to the cities. We should be working in tandem and the rural communities, just like they always have been with the mines and forestry and everything else have been a real asset to the, uh, to the big cities. Now we also need to give back and create the jobs back here like we've never seen before. Now, how would we do that? Well, the reality is that technology and communication infrastructure, and especially in our Columbia Basin area, we have amazing communication infrastructure. We put the backbone in place to put this fiber into the communities, and the fiber in the communities means that we're only milliseconds away from anywhere, and that's what is often missed. People often think in terms of travel by you know, vehicle, planes, or whatever it is, and then the number of days it takes to get there. Well, if you're thousands of a second away what could you do with that so so a bit of a process of thinking differently so that allows enables people to come to our communities and become very good at it uh, at working and living in these communities but then we combine with the expertise that already exists in these small communities uh, the technology we'll put the two together and the reality is that is if you take a look at industry 4.0 or the fourth industrial revolution which is sort of one and the same of what that means is the fact that we're integrating industry with artificial intelligence, in, internet of things, um, uh, robotics, all these, these things that we could be taking advantage of in our rural communities to improve industry and make it better, and that opens doorways to opportunities that we've never seen before. So uh, I am, I guess what you would call an evangelist, and I am standing up and saying my technology industry career, uh, while it has been some time in Vancouver and California, 
in, in the early days, mo more than 20 years of it has now been in rural British Columbia, and I hope I'm an example of what can be done here in the things I've been able to do, but I think the opportunity in front of us is way bigger than any of the things I've had before. And uh, yeah, the combination of rural, tech, rural British Columbia along with uh, the technology industry is a really interesting combination that we can take advantage of. There we have it. Three voices from rural British Columbia on the subject of technology. Lana Fitt from the Salmon Arm Innovation Center, Jean-Marc Laflamme from Revelstoke's Mountain Collab, and Brian Fry of IC4 Innovation in Trail. Three examples of how technology not only can help effect positive change in rural British Columbia, but how technology, in fact, is as we speak doing so. While technology may not be a silver bullet when it comes to economic transformation and revitalization for our small rural communities, there's absolutely no doubt about the fact that without it in some form, our communities are in trouble. To learn more about technology in rural British Columbia, be sure to visit our website at www.bcruralcenter.org. Thanks very much for listening.